You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. The first five books of the Bible, just so you know, called the Pentateuch. And uh, all my Jewish friends, they know them. And they're actually called the Book of the Laws. You guys know that? So it's Book of the Laws. I'm not trying to give you a Bible lesson here, but I think what Pastor Vince did, he stirred something. And so I really felt like there was at least two of you that need to hear this. So this is really for two of you, and the rest of you just get to listen. And this isn't anything to do with it. It wasn't the last service, but he, but he touched on something. And Deuteronomy 8.18 says this. This is the Book of the Laws written by Moses. And all my Jewish friends know this, and when we do business, we're always talking about it. When I go have this conversation with my Christian friends, you start talking about this, they get uncomfortable. So I just go talk to my Jewish friends about it. So if I'm gonna do a business deal, I'm gonna do it with my Jewish friends because they're comfortable with making money. Whereas my Christian friends, they just get all weird about it. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth. And he will confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day, written thousands of years ago. And that truth is is so weird. Like, he's giving you power. How many know that you've been given power and authority? Now, a lot of people can abuse power. They can abuse authority, but God gave it to you. He gave you a free will. So let's just not abuse it. Let's set up some guardrails in our life. But let's not get weird saying the word power or say the word wealth. I love the fact that Andy said that he remembers because I teach all my little kids I'm a money magnet. I heard that in a worldly sense. And then when God was really taking me on a journey around money, he's like, can you please train up your kids the right way? Tell them to be great stewards around money. Because if they walk by a nickel, a penny, a dollar, a $10, and they just walk by and they think it's nothing, they actually don't honor, honor what that is representing. And I'm trying to get them something. So I want my kids to steward a penny because a lot of pennies add up. So where most people go, oh, it's just a penny. My kids, they won't pass a penny because they understand I'm gonna be a good steward over every penny the Lord gives me starting at two. And so he can joke around saying, oh yeah, I'm a money magnet. I'm glad, amen. Amen. I want all of us because right here, God's giving you power and authority. I was thinking of my kids, I, I, I mean, I, we were thinking about names. You know, I love the days when we we're hanging out yesterday and we we're just thinking about names over kids and they just adopted a little boy, which I'm so stoked for him. And we were just talking about names. So I'm like, man, I gotta, what if I name my next kid Wealth? Because <laughs> I was thinking like, Rich did the offering message in the first deal and I'm like, how cool of a name is that? I'd be like, hey, are you rich? He's like, yes, I am. He prophesies every day. I mean, I mean, or I'll name my kid Authority. I mean, we have all M's. Michaela, Matt, Mango. Mika- okay, this, okay. I don't even know why I'm down this tangent. Has nothing to do with my message. But I'm stoked that I have a friend named Rich. I'm thinking of all new names. I might come up with nicknames for all my kids and just call them different things. 
Anyways, random tangents. This is what happens when I start reading the word of God or Vince does a tithe message and then I have to do a worship song. God's like, you're gonna read this congregation, Deuteronomy, which is the book of the laws. It's a law and a principle. Whether you choose to believe in it is up to you. There's some other laws that are called the 10 commandments. You don't have to believe in them. I'm just saying they make your life better. There's a whole book of incredible principles that make your life better if we just choose to get it on the inside of us. It's just crazy how the Bible works. I didn't know that. I was raised and the Bible used to put me to sleep. Then I got around a pastor that all he did was get in the word of God all the time. I'm like, man, I look at his life and I want what he has. I think I'm just gonna do what he does. So you start doing what he does and you get what he gets. You understand that it's not a secret. But I'm telling you, the devil wants to make sure that this is the biggest secret in the world. It's amazing. Deuteronomy 8.18, for those two people that needed that, God bless you. For the rest of you, bonus. Listen, to the, the, uh, how many of you went to conference, just so I know who I'm talking to? Ooh, a lot of hands, a lot of hands, a lot of hands. Okay, that's good. That was airstrikes. God was showing me that was airstrikes for you so he could take you up to a sea of thing a place you've never been before because he wants you to see from that elevation. That's why I, my brother's in the Navy. I love the Navy. Yeah. Airstrikes. My dad's a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine, so they say. That's ground troops. How many of you know you need both to be an effective military presence? Same thing with kingdom. We just did conference to give you some vision of where you're going, some targets, what's out in front of you, what's coming. Now we're back on a Sunday. We're ground troops, baby. We're down in it. Let's get equipped with what we need. I really felt like today is what we need to further the work of what we saw here on a Sunday. And I just don't want you to, you know, to be the same version of yourself you were at conference. And for those that didn't go to conference, get that media card. Secret number one. Otherwise, you're gonna feel a little left out. Like, why are these people so hyped? That church is kind of, I don't know, making me nervous. No, they just got a word that you need to get so we can close the gap. I mean, it'd be good for you. I get up, sometimes when I hear someone come in to give a word, I, after service, I just go stand by them. I just want that anointing. They look at me like, what are you doing? 30 more seconds. <laughs> they say the oil's coming down, dripping off. I'm kind of under it, just trying to get it. Yep, yep, oh, oh, I feel it. I feel it. But, you know, this is in a series that's called That'll Preach. And Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, if you did not know this, they love movies. Matter of fact, they could preach entire messages just based out of movie clips. You know, some of their, I mean, Pastor Jurgen, honestly, if you ever get with him, he can quote a whole movie in character. And you're, you're not sure, I mean, you're laughing the whole time, then he drops the word of God, then you're crying. So it's messed me up for 15 years. I'm like, he will definitely run out of movie clips. And then he rolls another one. He did an entire series on David from a movie clip in a very, I can't even go there. I don't want to offend people, but it was in a voice you wouldn't think. He was skipping on stage, you know, acting like David. David was a harp player. So it had a very interesting twist to it. But at the end, I was thinking to myself, there's more people going to be offended this Sunday than ever. And literally, the altar call was smashed. I was like, okay, that's interesting. God, only you. Your ways are not my ways. That's the gift of Pastor Jurgen. So, when he gets here to preach, don't miss that Sunday. It'll be amazing. So, I, I was thinking about all the movies that really made, what clip was I going to play? And 
Fortunately for you, I'm not playing any clip because we'd be just playing clips all the time. But I wanna give you just a little heartbeat. And this message I definitely know is for you at this season. See, after conference, I had, a, I had a bunch of words. And whether I'm preaching at our Carlsbad campus or San Marcos campus or here, I was thinking to myself, all right, because how many know God has a specific word at a specific time for a specific people? That's how God works. It's not like, you know, this is old wine with old wineskins and we're going through and it's like, oh, we're in July. Let me go through my Bible. What have I ever preached in July? That's how I grew up, you know. It's like every year I'd hear that word again when, the, when it came around to like, when you've been a part of a church for 30 years, it's like this guy had repeat on. It was good. I probably needed it multiple times. That's what helped me stay around. But that's not here. Pastor Jurgen, man, it is fresh word. I don't understand how 15 years later, he has never preached the same thing twice. He is bringing heat because he's in the word every day. And it's alive. And that's what's so radical about being under that sort of leadership. He doesn't call me and go, all right, hey, I need you to preach on this today. He like, give this global, that'll preach. I go, what's that mean? He goes, anything will preach, that'll preach. That's what I want you to preach on. <laughs> okay. That's, that's kind of broad. Do you want to narrow it down, Old Testament, New Testament? And he goes, testament. <laughs> Just preach something from the testaments. It's a good start. Okay. So I was thinking about, since it's that movie theme, I was thinking to myself, okay, what are my favorite movies? Am I going to preach from Forrest Gump? I mean, that's how I live my life. It's about as simple as it gets. That's how I need to learn. So I'm like, okay, Forrest Gump, no, no. And I'm thinking pursuit of happiness. That messed me up. Will Smith teaching his kid how to, what's really the pursuit of happiness about. I'm like, no, I loved Marshall. You know, Matthew McConaughey, do, who doesn't love him? Without a shirt on, babe. Babe, calm down. Braveheart, come on. I mean, Pastor Jurgen can do Braveheart. He pretty much is living Braveheart right now, if you didn't know. That whole speech is them. Then I'm thinking, no way, gladiator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A man with purpose and identity. You take his wife. You take his family. It's on. And then, and then my favorite, John Wick. But then I go, a similar thing. Took his wife. Then you mess with his dog. And then on the way here, I was flying, a, a flying up on the plane, and I'm watching this movie, and my wife looks over at me, and I'm trying not to cry, because she just thinks I'm a crybaby. And I'm like this. And she's like, what is wrong with you? What are you watching? And it was Ben Affleck's new movie, uh, The Way Back. And what I realized was, I knew what message I was gonna preach, and I had it narrowed down. Then on Wednesday, Tuesday, God was talking to me about a specific verse. It was on uh, my daily app reading. And when the guy read it to me in his nice little accented voice, it hit me in my spirit and I listened to it over and over again. And I'm gonna read it to you in a minute. But I, I didn't know exactly it was maybe for this weekend. But then what happened was Wednesday night in service, I had this issue with my uncle and I'll talk about that in a minute. And then that verse popped up again. And so I knew I had to get my heart right because what the enemy was trying to do was cause a division in my family. And uh, you know, and I'm passionate. I pretty much piped off and put my uncle in place. Felt like the man. Felt like I was like protecting my mom, doing like what a good son would do, which was her brother, you know, inner family conflict. I'm gonna be pastoral plus a little abrasive. <laughs> Said some things that probably weren't pastoral, but I laid it down in honor of my mom. And then I'm in worship 
and the Holy Spirit's convicting me. And then reminding me of the verse just the day before that I'll this revelation on, I'm gonna change the world on. I can't even live it for one day. So then I gotta eat crow, text my uncle, who I called him first after service, write the voicemail, never does that. And then I thought I'll text him, no response. It wasn't until this morning on the way here he responded to me. How crazy is that? But the spiritual warfare, I knew this was what I was working on because I was gonna go down this vein and then I had some crazy things happen during the week. And then on Friday, you know, come up here on Friday. How many of you know you should always come up to Salt Lake City early if you're gonna preach? This place is beautiful. So I'm hanging out up there and then Friday night, sure enough, three o'clock in the morning I wake up and I literally feel like I'm having a heart attack. So I wake up in the middle of the morning, feel like I'm having a heart attack. I'm like, okay, I'm a doctor. I'm going through all this stuff. It's gotta be just, you know, my ribs out. I gotta, so I'm, I'm feeling this warfare, but I'm not in the midst spiritually thinking this is what I need to do. So what happens is I get up, I start checking, do I have a rib out? I go through all the differential diagnosis. I then go, oh, this isn't good. Start a little, little bit of panic. Decided I better make, wake my wife up just to make sure she knows CPR. So I wake my wife up. She goes, what is wrong with you? I said, hey, just a question. Do you know CPR? Her answer, very comforting, no. Note to self, when we get home, she'll be learning CPR. So now I'm like, oh, that's not good. But then I'm, I'm getting prayed up. And the more I'm praying, I'm starting to have the revelation, okay, this is, this feels like I'm going against something. And then all of a sudden it doubles down to the point where I could barely breathe. I could barely do anything. I haven't been in a hospital in 20 years, guys. I'm, I haven't had a drug in my body in 20 years. I've been, you know, healthy, maintain it. I know how to take care of myself. But all these things started un- going crazy in my mind. And I finally told her, which she's never heard me say, take me to the hospital immediately. So we get on Google. I'm at Deer Valley Emergency Room at 3.30 in the morning. I tell her, drop me off. I don't want her coming in. She, go home. Like, just pray for me. I go in. They're asking me what I'm doing here. I said, I gotta make sure I'm not having a heart attack. Now, listen, I just had a patient just last two week, a week ago, literally uh, go for a run, come back. He had a heart attack. His son was visiting. And his son just finished, just visiting, random visit. Just finished fire academy. He has a heart attack, 6 a.m. in the morning. Son pulls him on the floor doing CPR. Saved his life. Took two EpiPens, two, two paddles, brought him back to life. He was in my office on... Thursday going, Dr. Matt, I just had to be honest with you. I've had these symptoms for like a month and Denver wanted to tell you because I knew you'd tell me to go to the hospital. I didn't want to go to the hospital. So pride, ego, whatever it was got in the way, didn't want to tell me. And listen, if his son wasn't there, he would have died. And, and the ambulance guy said, the, the EMT said, 90% of all 911 calls, the people either don't know CPR or don't know how to do it, they don't make it by the time we get there. 90% of these type of calls don't make it. He would have been that same stat unless his son decided just to surprise and come home for the night. So he got out of perfect time. So that was on my mind subconsciously. I have three kids. I want to be responsible. I didn't want my pride or my ego to get in the way. As a doctor, I know all the signs, symptoms. So I was sitting there going, all right, don't be an idiot. Don't be, just go humble yourself and get this taken care of. So I'm in there. They're taking care of me. They do all my vitals. EKG good, all this stuff is good. And they go, we gotta do blood things, see if there's any stuff in your blood showing you may have had something. 
So they did a blood thing and I had to wait two hours to do one more blood thing. While I'm laying there, I'm listening to worship, you know, worship music. I'm getting fired up in my hospital room. I'm going, you know, I'm just praying. The MD comes in to talk to me and goes, hey man, everything's 100% good. And I go, okay, good. And he goes, I'm, I'm glad you came in because it may have not turned out that way. I'm glad that you were being proactive. I know you're young. You probably would never think that. I saw, you know, what you do for a living. These are the people that would keep themselves out of here. I'm glad you didn't do that. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I see that you're listening to worship music. You're, are you a believer? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, then you know what this may be. And I looked at him, like all confused, strapped up, and he goes, spiritual warfare. And I'm like, oh, out of all the places I could be at all the hospitals, this guy's giving me the enlightenment, which I knew. But then I go, you're right, hurry up and get me out of here. He goes, as fast as, as soon as your results, I'll, ha I'll have you out of here two minutes later. I was out of there so fast. And now I, t I didn't even tell my wife, I text her once I was already walking on the road. I was walking a good mile, just praying the whole way. Now I'm ticked off. Now I know, but you woke me up at 3 a.m., put my family through a little scare. You know, we told my kids I went on a run to the hospital to see if it was a good hospital, you know? As, I, as I'm taking my shirt off, I got these glue sticks all over my body. My little boy's like, Dad, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you saw the bionic man, right? It's no big deal, no big deal. Real steel right here, son, we're good. And uh, so I just realized, man, this bring havoc. Now I know this is a word for this church. I know it. it's because, you know what, we, we wanna preach the easy thing, not the right thing. But this is the right thing for, the right, for such a time as this. There's an impartation which is gonna happen and now I've been doubling down. I mean, you know, it just wakes you up a little bit when you've been a little just, hey, I'm gonna go preach in Salt Lake too. You're in a hospital. Realizing the enemy's trying to take you out. If that's not bad, listen, my iPad dies. My cord doesn't work, that always works. I mean, if you could see the things that are going, I can't, the, the whole place, I'm trying to find anywhere I can email my notes to get them printed. I couldn't even do that. It happened this morning. So the first time I'm looking at my notes, that I had prepped for this was literally on my phone, like, you know, I'm zooming in like this because I finally got my password to my iCloud, which I couldn't get either. So I had iCloud blocking, iPad dying. I mean, the devil was working overtime to make sure I stressed out our assistant, God bless Esther and everybody else that made today happen. But that's the level of warfare. There's an enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy even a word from the Lord for each one of you. I love the fact that you guys just went to two services. If you're a visitor here, this is only the second time ever there's been an 11 o'clock service. We're at, so you might be like, oh, it's a little light in here. No, no, no. It was so packed we couldn't grow anymore, so we're at a 9 and 11 now. I remember because I've been at Awaken since day one. I remember the first time we took ground to go to two services, there was massive spiritual warfare for my pastors. We never know the price that someone may pay. I'm thinking to myself, oh, is that crazy enough? The devil didn't give up on Friday night. Last night, my little two-year-old who sleeps through the night is up. Now, guess what time he got my bed? The exact time in the morning that I was having heart issues which were no issues at all. It was just spiritual warfare. They say, now my kid's up, middle of the night, in my bed, kicking me. I'm like, how'd this kid get my bed at 3 a.m.? Because there's an enemy who wanna make sure I'm not rested, that I don't bring the goods, that I don't preach this word. But guess what? It got printed. I'm still awake. I got an Americano. You drove here for a reason, so let's preach the gospel.
So I'm gonna start with the word of God because here's the title of my message. Just by the way, I didn't write it after Friday night. It's called Heart Health. All right, some of you aren't picking up what I'm putting down. But there are healthy ways and unhealthy ways, worldly ways and kingdom ways to guard our heart. So this message on Tuesday that I heard was this, for, this, this verse. And I wanna start off with Proverbs 4.20. I'll get to the 23rd part, but if we could put up Proverbs 4.20, this is what I heard. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. What is God trying to say to you today? Let's go on to the next verse. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your... Are you guys awake today? Come on. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them. So that means you gotta be looking for them, because you gotta find them. And health to all their flesh. Isn't that amazing? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. How good is that verse? Another version says this, above all else. That means above all else, guard your heart for everything. Somebody say everything. everything. Not some things, not a few things, everything. You guys getting this? For everything you do flows from it. Another version like this version says the spring of life. I'm gonna teach you in a minute what the Greek does because I got new software that does that. I'm really excited. And I wanna, I wanna be as smart as Pastor Jurgen one day. So I'm gonna give you that breakdown because it will blow your mind, but I want you to understand that. Above all else, guard your heart from everything you do flows from it. It's amazing how we do anything. And how many know we're talking about physical heart, but also a spiritual heart. And it says in there that the spiritual heart has to do with your flesh. So if you allow your heart to get calloused in the spiritual, guess what's gonna happen to your heart in the physical? Isn't that crazy? Listen to these stats though, because I want you to understand how important your heart is. Your heart beats over 100,000 times per day. Isn't that amazing? And maybe you're like, what does that really mean? Get this, it pumps 1.5 gallons of blood every minute. That means over a course of a day, that's 2,000 gallons of blood. Isn't that crazy to think about? I was just tired thinking about it. I was saying to myself, now I need to take a nap more. I mean, that is 2,000 gallons? I'm just asking you to drink one gallon, and most of you can't do it, of water. Stay hydrated. Think about 2,000 gallons. There's 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. That's enough to go around the world two times. Think how God made you. 60,000 miles pumping 2,000 gallons a day, and some of you feel like you don't got purpose. If you wake up alive, there's a purpose and a reason why you're alive. Let's give that a reason to do something. I love it. Oh, man, guess what this? I thought, I thought this was interesting. Just gonna bring it. What is, the, what is the number one day, for those of you who went to the first service, you know this, the busiest day in America for heart attacks, Christmas day. If you don't think there's some spiritual assignment, the day Christ was born is the number one day for heart attacks, Christmas. And I heard a testimony from the last service. A guy came up and said he lost his, dad had a heart attack on Christmas Eve, passed away on Christmas. He's been 26 years ago and he's still thinking about it, processing it. 
It's amazing how the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy people. And on Christmas Day, I thought it was funny. I talked to my neighbor who's an emergency room doc, and I said, hey, do you got some stats on the heart? I just went out. And he goes, yeah, I'm always there on Christmas. I mean, that's a real thing. I looked it up and said that. And he goes, yeah, it's a real thing. He goes, I don't mind, I'm Jewish. I started laughing. I'm like, so you just book yourself in. He goes, everyone at the hospital knows we'll see the most heart attacks on Christmas Day. It's night and day difference, he said. It's amazing what the enemy tries to go after. But get this, I want you to hear this. As Christians, you don't just have a human heart that produces physical life. You also have a spiritual heart that produces spiritual life. It's the heart that leads to that verse. The verse in Proverbs is talking about that above all else. It affects you in the physical. It affects you in the spiritual. So I just want to teach us this morning on how to guard it correctly so it doesn't mess up our life, both in the physical and in the spiritual. Listen to this. In Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your Pretty good. I would say the 9 a.m. had that a little bit louder. I'm gonna say it again just to give you a chance. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your thank you, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it was with your that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and be saved. Isn't that amazing? You know, right off the bat, it's just talking about the importance of what that means. And what I wanna do is just break down a couple things, but in this, in this, surprisingly enough, the word in the New Testament means, in Greek, mind, will, or inner man. In the Greek, it's not just saying the heart, it's saying in the New Testament, that word heart means mind, will, or inner man. So as you can see, the heart plays an important role in the decision-making, starting with the decision to follow Jesus in your mind, but it's a heart decision. We make decisions all day long in our mind that stem from our You cannot separate them is what the Bible is saying. That's why it says guard your heart and renew your and take every thought So you need to renew your mind, take every thought captive because if you don't, it will affect your We getting this? I feel, I feel good. I feel like we're moving back and forth together. Pretty good there. It's like a little dance. So you gotta see the importance of this verse. Since everything you do flows out of your mind, it makes sense to put a hedge or a guard around your heart and your mind to protect the things that you do. Why is that so important? Because the enemy comes in to mess up your heart, but he's planting seeds in your that mess up your heart. And then if you mess up your heart spiritually, it's gonna manifest itself physically. You cannot separate the two. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. So if, if the enemy can come in and get you hardened in your heart, get you messed up in your mind, you start making bad decisions, your heart gets calloused, your heart gets hurt, then guess what starts happening? You start messing up your life and it affects you spiritually and physically. Just know it's so important because the enemy doesn't want you to pick this. You know, there's an old computer adage. Did you guys ever hear this giggo? Garbage in, garbage out. I don't know if they use that anymore. But back in the day, that garbage in, garbage out. If you put garbage in, guess what you're going to get out? If you, eat like, if you eat fat, greasy food, you're going to be a fat, greasy dude. I'm a lyrical gangster. I don't know where that came from. 
but we gotta make sure that we're guarding our heart. Now that you understand what the verse means, I want you to focus attention on from what to why. Here's the why. Because you love God, we gotta guard our heart. If you wanna break ceilings in your life, break limits in your life, living your life without limits, you have to guard your heart because you love God. You were creating the image and the likeness. And you cannot, if you start callousing your heart, you will not start thinking about kingdom ways, about kingdom things. And so if you don't, you will be hardened in your heart, you won't forgive. You won't let those offenses, you will harbor them. And then you put a ceiling over your relationship with God who's trying to get you live under his kingdom blessing. But if you have a hardened heart, it lets me know that your mind and your heart are disconnected to even be able to trust your father who's in heaven that wants to bless you and do good, good things because we serve a good, good father. That's why people can get caught up in religion that has a spirit of control around it. And then we can start guarding our heart and not trusting a father who wants to do these things. And what we wanna do, why the enemy doesn't want me to preach this message, is because that you hear the gospel, which means the good news, that you start to put a hedge of protection around your heart, you let God start to heal your heart, you start to trust him again. And guess what, when you trust him, you're living under an open heaven, which means all things are possible to those that believe. But a lot of people stop believing in the all things are possible network because their heart got hardened. And God just wants to soften it up. He wants to renew your mind. He wants to teach you his ways. That was number one. The second part is because he wants you to accomplish his purpose. He's given every one of you a purpose. But if you could start doubting, if you could start being disconnected, you start losing your purpose. And without purpose, he will rob you of your future. The enemy will come in to make sure that you're not doing what you're called to do. He wants to rob you. And what he wants you to do is know your identity, know your purpose. See, I pray all the time because I love my dad, but my dad has lost his purpose because of some hurts in his life. And I want this to be practical. My dad had his heart broken. My mom and him divorced after 32 years. He lost a business at age 40 where it shut him down. He had his two best friends stab him in the back that went to church with him. He lost everything. He then, because of that, couldn't recover because he couldn't trust again. He couldn't trust God. He started shutting down, isolating. It affected my parents' marriage. That ended in divorce, so now it reinforced his hardened heart. Then he just gave up. Now, does my dad still profess Jesus? Yes, he loves Jesus but he has a purpose that he's not stepping into because he's just guarded his heart. And so I can get frustrated with my dad and every time that I get frustrated with my dad, the Holy Spirit immediately comes in and goes, just love your dad, just honor your dad. See, my heart starts to get calloused and ticked off and angry. I want the best for my dad, but here's the truth. The best for my dad is me just loving my dad. He has to work it out with God. I'm not gonna work it out for you. I'm not his savior and I need to quit trying to be it. For some of you, you're trying to be someone's savior, but it's hurting your heart. God's just saying, hey, love me, love people. Everyone's on a journey. You're not someone's savior. Let God do the saving, we'll do the loving. It's just an important thing. I wanna give you real practical things so you don't get taken out of purpose. That was taking me off purpose because I was trying to get my dad on purpose. 
but that's not my purpose. This is my purpose. The last thing is because you want to finish strong. What I love about UFC fights, what I love about UFC fights is they're three to five rounds. And man, they're, they're, they're crazy. They just go at it. But what the Holy Spirit was showing me on this last UFC fight, I heard the ref say something that struck me for the first time and I want to share it with you. The referee goes over the rules. He goes with the two combatants. And one of the things he tells them is to protect themselves at all times. And he says, are you ready to fight? His last thing he says was, make sure you protect yourself at all times. But see, if there's not a knockout in the fight, at the end of the fight, who's ever ahead on the scorecard wins the fight. We've watched fights go five rounds. You're like, that, that guy just won. And within the last minute, he let his guard down. He didn't protect himself and he gets knocked out. It didn't matter how many points he had. It didn't matter how long he was going for. It mattered he let his guard down, he forgot to protect himself and he got knocked out, he lost the fight. And right in that moment, the Holy Spirit says, same in the world, same in the spiritual world. Matt, don't let your guard down. You're fighting a fight you've never fought before. Yeah, you're taking ground. Yeah, you're taking campuses. Yeah, you're raising up leaders. Don't let your guard down. Are you prayed up? It's funny, I felt maybe I let my guard down on Friday night. Was I taking the seriousness of what God's trying to do in this city? Do you think the enemy wants to give up territory in Salt Lake City? He's had his grip over this city for a lot of years. And you get one little church that says they're gonna be the light, that's gonna cause the light to shine for an entire city to see, that's gonna get people lit up for the gospel. And we wanna come in here and think we're gonna change the world, but we're not, we're not protecting ourselves. We're not keeping the guard up. Who am I to think that I can come in here with a little chip on my shoulder and say I'm gonna preach a message and not think there's gonna be a little warfare. Guess what? God was just saying, protect yourself. I just took a shot to the chin on Friday night. That's all right. It woke me up. Didn't knock me out. But how many of you maybe are laying on the mat? Let your guard down. I took a lot of flack for a lot of friends when I was teaching all over. I was president and I would bring people with me. I learned it from Pastor Jurgen. Cost me an extra ticket. Cost me this, that. And my friend's like, dude, why are you always bringing someone with you? It's because I realized that I wanted to guard myself in my marriage because I love my wife. So I'd bring someone accountability. You know, because when you're on a platform speaking in a big profession, you're in front of masterminds, large crowds, everything, the enemy's sneaky. Just come in, feed your ego, bring someone in just to slip you up, make one wrong decision, could affect my marriage forever. But I watch how my pastor does life. I want to do the same thing. Worth every penny, worth every investment, why do I do that to have an accountability person with me wherever I travel? Is to guard my life, is to guard the things that I love. But it's amazing how the enemy was using my friends to pipe off. Hey, why are you doing that? You think you really need that? What are you, that weak? No, I just don't wanna let my guard down when it comes to my marriage. There's three generations of divorce in my marriage and we're stopping with us. The line is drawn there. I'm gonna do things that other people don't think is normal. That's why I respect Vice President Mike Pence, after how much hate he would get, he'd still take his wife everywhere, still honor his bride. But to see the level of warfare that he contends with, he's putting the right guardrails up in his life to guard his heart. What do we need to do today to guard our heart? What is God revealing to you? What are the relationships? Are they speaking life 
into you. Maybe you need to guard your heart. Look at those relationships. Maybe some decisions. I, my wife, why I respect her so much, she had four best friends when we got married. None of them are in her life today because she had to guard her heart because she realized she had a kingdom assignment. She realized that she had to make tough decisions because that was guarding her heart. What do we need to do to guard our heart? I wanna read this verse to you. The apostle Paul says this. Now that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, I press on to take hold of which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize. For God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 3, 12 through 14. He went on to say that his work wasn't done, but he wanted to finish strong. Why do we guard our heart? So we finish strong. We gotta guard our heart to position ourselves to finish strong. I wanna leave you with this verse that sums up how to guard your heart the most. We talked about it, but this is the here we how. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4.8, how do you guard your heart? You start thinking right. Remember, it's connected, same word in the New Testament. What you think about, you bring about. You start thinking right, you guard your heart automatically. You get around situations that are bringing down your thinking, you're only infecting your heart. We gotta guard our heart by thinking different. Remember, the heart refers to your mind. It refers to your will. If we follow this prescription, and I'm gonna give it to you in a second, of even in Philippians, think on these three types of things. It will influence how you think. It will influence your actions. It will influence the things that you do. You not only guard your heart, but you will see a difference in everything you do. Pastor Samuel said something on Wednesday at our staff meeting, and I really went home to process it, and it's what really made me think about guarding your heart. See, in Ephesians 6, 11, talks about putting on the full armor of God. What's the first thing in the full armor it says to put on? It's the belt of truth. Start not, not getting caught up in the wrong things. Feed your mind with the truth. The truth is the word of God. I wanna help you. I wanna help you. The truth is the word of God. Maybe you need truth around wealth that we, I don't know who the two people were for. Maybe it's the truth around relationships. Maybe it's the truth around what the calling is on your life. Whatever that is, you are gonna find it in the word because it says put on the belt of truth. I said in the first service, the belt, man, it holds up your pants. That's a good thing. I don't need a bunch of Christian with Christians with their pants falling down because the enemy will definitely take you out then. The truth, the belt of truth. In a world of chaos right now, we need that truth more than anything. But that's the first thing it says. What's the last thing it says? You guys can go read the full armor, what the full armor is. But the first is the belt of truth. What's the last one? Sword of the spirit. Meaning that our father wants you on the offense. You know what the sword of the spirit is? Isn't that funny that the full armor of God starts with the word of God, truth, 
and ends with the offense that he's giving you a weapon, a weapon of your warfare. We don't battle against flesh and blood. I'm telling you, it starts with the word, it ends with the word, but he wants you on offense. He's giving you a sword to take territory. For those of you thinking like, what? He's, you're taking territory this season. My wife and I, you guys, Vince, we, yesterday, we were looking at properties up here because God showed me you're gonna take territory in the place I've called this church. This will be a church that flourishes. You're gonna take territory. I'm gonna buy real estate because I believe in what God's doing in this church. You can buy real estate anywhere in America. I'm buying it in Salt Lake City because I know what God's doing here. I'm gonna put my heart in because I know God's gonna do something. I want my family to be raised. This is beautiful up in here and God's gonna do something so radical in his people that I don't wanna miss out. That's the sword, take territory. That's for somebody. Everybody stand up. I'm gonna pray for two types of people. Number one, all this starts with what I'm talking about is Jesus. Some of you have never given your heart to Jesus, or maybe you did, but the, the world got in that heart and started infecting it, and you kind of got back over there and started taking it, taking it back. But Jesus is here to say, come on, I'm the one that's gonna empower you to guard your heart. You can't do it without Jesus. That's why he calls this the gospel, it's the good news. I don't need that, no. But for those of you that have never made that decision, saying, I want Jesus in my heart, or I hear what you're saying, Dr. Matt, and I wanna rededicate my life to Jesus. That's why we do Sundays. We come to get filled in fellowship, but it's your job to go home and equip yourself with the word of God. But when you come here, this is supposed to be a hospital. I wanna see broken people come in here. If it's a church that everyone has all their stuff together, we're just a country club. There's a city that needs a hospital for spiritual heart surgery. And I want people to come in to feel the love of Jesus, that see amazing people, that they've been down there, but they've allowed their heart to heal. If you don't think it happens, listen, I just gave you the example of my uncle. Literally, I got convicted because I was in worship. I had heard that. I was just like, God, is there anything in me? And he revealed that I was holding on to bitterness for my uncle. And see, my grandma's 96 years old with dementia stressing my mom and she shouldn't be left alone. And in the middle of this thing, when I'm judging my uncle, when I'm ticked off because he's putting all the stress on my mom, they, he doesn't want to put her in a home. She's got full dementia. It's unsafe for her to be alone. But yet I'm ticked off at my uncle ripping him one. And in the middle of worship, God's saying, you're going to go apologize to your uncle. I need you to forgive your uncle. And I'm like, fine, I'll do it. And he goes, do you want to know why? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, his heart's broken because that's his mom. That's his mama that he loves. And he has an emotion he doesn't know how to deal with. And I don't need you to judge him for the decisions he's making. I just need you to love him because he needs someone to love him right now. Because his mama's hurting and he doesn't know what to do. He can't help her. I called my uncle and I said, hey, I shouldn't have said those things to you. God showed me that you're just hurting at your mom. And the thing that the devil wanted to do is create division in my family. That it flipped on his head because you know what? Now there's unity in my family. And when there's unity, God can bless 
commands a blessing. There is a blessing, he commands a blessing. So I now know there's gonna be a blessing commanded over my family, over my grandma, over my uncle, over my mom, and where it was division just a day ago because of revelation, because I'm saying, God, just inspect my heart. I'm guarding my heart. I don't want know what to do because I'm just a physical person going through an experience that I'm ticked at my uncle. But because I forgave him and bitterness left, God revealed to me how to heal it because I got to see through what my uncle was hurting in. And in a moment where I went from ticked off and angry and not a good nephew, God brought it in unity and a blessing. And now we're gonna do the right thing for my grandma because we see clearly where the enemy came in like a flood. God raised the standard against them. And we put a whoop down on them. And the same God that did that for me can do it for you in a moment. Sometimes you may be a hardened heart. You gotta go home today and take communion. As I pray for you, I want you to pray for what God is highlighting. If there's someone that you're harboring resentment for, or just you feel like you were transgressed, listen, what that means is I just feel like someone offended me that's a friend of mine two weeks ago. We do church together. We do ministry together. And my heart was hurt due to some decisions they were making. Now I could choose to get bitter or I could choose to get better. You know what I did? I gave it up to God. God revealed a few things to me. God just said, hey, you're gonna let the enemy come in and cut division in ministry over two people due to this? And I said, no. And he goes, let it go. The devil's working overtime to mess up the calling on this church. You gotta go overtime to be a bigger person. And I said, yes. And I let it go in a moment. I let it go in a moment because that didn't matter in the scheme of things. There's a world that needs to be saved. There's a world that needs to be loved. And there is a calling on my life that if I'm going to be tripped up by something so trivial, then am I really on purpose for God's plans for my life? We got to learn water off a duck's back. We got purpose, baby. There's a kingdom that needs to be impacted. There is a calling on your life. There is a ministry gift on your life. This is much more than waking up, hitting a paycheck, going to work, coming home, kissing your kids, and going to bed. Each and every one of you were born with your own DNA for a purpose. God knows every hair on your head. He knows what every heartbeat you have left. You will live it on purpose or you won't. But for those of you, if I could just have every head bowed and every eye closed. If there's anyone in this room who says, hey, I need to either get my life right with Jesus or I'm gonna give my life to Christ for the first time, just lift your hand and I'm gonna pray for you. If there's anyone in here, with first service, we had a bunch of hands go up. It's amazing how the enemy just doesn't want anybody to hear this. Doesn't want you to settle your heart back to what kingdom looks like. But is there anybody I'm praying for this morning? Just raise that hand up and I'll pray for you. Great, thank you, I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Anybody this morning? Just one hand, there's already a, there's already a party in heaven. I see another hand over here, thank you. Once you've raised your hand, you can put it down. Come on, thank you. Is there anybody else I'm gonna pray for today? You know, it's not, not about raising your hand that makes a decision to follow Christ. It's actually a decision in your heart. I used to pull people down to the front, raise their hand, and God showed me one day, is like, hey, if you're gonna bring up a bold and courageous church, 
they need to come after it. It's one of the greatest decisions you could ever make. I always said if I had a million dollars in my hand, I said, whoever wants this, raise your hand, they'd all be doing it. See, eternity is such more valuable than a million dollars. Yet that's how I know there's a devil. He doesn't want you to give eternity over to God. He doesn't want you to live in blessing for the rest of your life. You know, when we say that, may the rest of your life be the best of your life, we're actually meaning it. The Bible teaches us how to pray as the Heavenly Father. Our God in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. While we're here, let's bring heaven to earth. How many know he's got to show us because his ways are not our ways? So we actually got to know the word of God to know what that looks like. It's amazing how I made better decisions when I had that revelation. I see growing up as a Christian, I'd be making still dumb decisions until I had the revelation what God was trying to do. Every one of you have a kingdom purpose. So for those two people to raise your hand, if anybody else, we're all gonna say this prayer together. And if maybe you wanted to raise your hand, but you had the devil yelling in your ear, then let's just make sure that you can say this prayer right now. We're gonna say it all together. Many of you have already said it. They said, I want Jesus in my heart. Eternity's on the line. But I wanna make sure we pray this together. This is why we do church. And then I'm gonna pray an impartation for people to get healed in your hearts. And then we're gonna put on that new worship song, Authority. It's a new album. Because I want some of you to tangibly know that when you're in a low place, when maybe you're gonna make bad decisions, and I was telling a gentleman earlier, the two things I do I start praying in my spiritual language. Start praying in tongues. Because the devil doesn't know what I'm praying. It's amazing how I went 30 years saying that was a bad thing. Got my theology messed up. Now I know no wonder the devil doesn't want a whole church praying in tongues. Because he has no idea what's happening from spirit to spirit. The second thing I do is I put on a worship song that elevates my spirit like this song, Authority. Some of you afterwards just need to stay under that song so you hear into every word until you believe it. That worship album was number one for like five days. And then it fell off and I found out we were number 53 last week. I charged my campus in San Marcos. I said, we're not 53, get it back up there. Man, everyone was buying it. We were back on the top 10 because that's when the world sees this worship album. They start downloading it. We've gotten testimonies of people that don't even go to church, don't even believe in God, but downloaded it because they saw it on the top 10. And now their life, they're like, we don't understand this. We don't, there's a supernatural touch on that worship album. Get it in your life. It will guard your heart, it will help you. So let's say this prayer, are you ready? Ready, here we go. Heavenly Father, come on all of us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin. Today, I repent, I give you my heart. Guard it, show me how. And may the rest of my life be the best of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, for the rest of you, come on. And for those of you, look, I got a Bible right here and a book. We want to give you a Bible and a book. The book is called Following Jesus. It's to equip you with like, what's next? Why, why do I need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit? What's this up with getting dunked and baptized, water baptism? Where should I start reading the Bible? It's just a cliff note version of where to start. And we want to give you a Bible. You might say, I already got one. Well, good. Give it to somebody that don't. Give it away. Sow it. Be that. Whatever it may be, we want to bless you with it. Cause me some problems. I need Pastor Matt Tuggle to call me. and be like, dude, we're running out of Bibles. 
If you equip people with that belt of truth and the sword of the spirit, this thing will be packed two services. I'll be like, man, we gotta go to three services. You know what, scratch that, that's a lot of work. Let's just buy another building. Some of you get that. And Vince wants to buy it. Now everybody raise your hands, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray an impartation. Because God has taken me on a journey and showed me how to guard my heart well. And I want that same thing for you. I don't wanna go a day off center. I don't want an infection in my heart that's gonna get me laid up in a hospital, both spiritually or physically. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for every hand lifted. God, you know where the devil comes in to tempt every one of your kids. God, but you created us how to think. God, and I ask, Lord, that you equip every one of your sons and daughters in this house how to see where the enemy is. I pray a supernatural hedge of protection around them. God, I pray that they have the number one alarm system in the spiritual where they will feel the presence of an enemy trying to mess them up and trip them up, that they will make better decisions and choices. And God, highlight right now any of us that have maybe bitterness or disappointment or a hurt in our life that someone maybe have offended us or hurt us. God, I ask, Lord, that you highlight their name right now. Lord, that we can release them. We can forgive them. Lord, that we can let it go. It may even be a spouse. Lord, we release that right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray as you heal hearts. Lord, even those, for men, I know it's even harder that we get calloused. We get so focused on business or life or we become numb. God, I ask, Lord, that you unnumb us. We're not machines. Lord, that we have an emotion. That you bring us to feel again. You help our hearts feel again. That we can trust you again. Where we've been disappointed, God, that you will set us back up on sure ground. Lord, we'll go after those God dreams. We'll go after those things you've called us to go after. God, I pray for supernatural healing of our hearts today. And once we're healed, God, let us get that new alarm system to guard them well. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're taking this campus to a new level. That, God, there is no division in this house in the name of Jesus. I break every stronghold. I break every foothold that the devil's been using to create a fence in this house. Lord, and I prophesy, Lord, that there will be no division in this house, that you bring supernatural healing and wisdom and discernment. God, that there will be a youth group that rises up and we take back a city in our high schools and our junior highs in this place. God, I thank you for mighty men that put a hedge of protection around their family, around their finances and around their health. God, we thank you that you're establishing your authority in this house in Salt Lake City. That God, the rest of this county will know there's something different in this house. They will feel your presence. They will see the miracles and they'll come to get healed. This will be the great, greatest heart surgery center in all of Salt Lake City. God, we prophesy and we stand on your word today. And everybody said... Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.